Hi, welcome to this special edition of Retro Sonic Podcast. I'm Steve from the Retroman blog, and this is slightly different to the recent lockdown lowdown series that I've been doing um, because it's dedicated to the Galileo 7 and their brand new album, Decade, or if pronounced slightly differently, Decade. Um, for yes, it's the band's 10th anniversary. And uh, to celebrate, I'm very pleased to welcome into our virtual studio Alan and Viv from the Galileo 7. Hi, Hello. both of you. All right. Good to see you. So I was going to ask a sort of regular question of what you've been up to during lockdown. And I know you've been both very busy with your special sort of um, selection of cover versions that you've been doing for Kevin Younger's sort of online series of um, I don't know, like an open mic session, isn't it? And uh, where he gets in a lot of his powers to do cover versions around a various theme. And this ties in a little bit with, uh, with the new album, Decade, because it's actually a, a selection of cover versions that you've recorded but as Galileo 7 over the years. Why did you decide to release a, a sort of um, covers album to celebrate your 10th anniversary? Um, I started thinking about it last year. I just, you know, you sort of think, well, bloody hell, we've been going 10 years. Is, is it really that long? And we'd only just put out um, There Is Only Now, the last album, which we're really, really pleased with. You know, it's, it's, I think it's our best one. Yeah, me too. And um, so there weren't any new old, you know, new songs kicking about at that point. But we knew you have to get these things ready quite in advance. So we just thought, well, let's record versions of songs that we featured in in the live set at various times over the last ten years. Um, some of them have become part of the set, you know, and they've stayed. And some of them have come and gone quite quickly because they, you know, they haven't quite worked out live, or we haven't got room. We'd rather play our own songs than covers. Because covers tend to only get played when you've got a bit of a longer set. You know, you've only got 40 minutes. You think, well, we'll just stick to our own stuff. Um, I see. So you've played all of these live at one point. All you? of them have been done live at least once. Yeah. Some of them a lot, as you, as you probably know. But, you know, some of them only the once or twice. And we did seven in September last year, the backing tracks. And then we're thinking, you know, we'll, we'll get another three, you know, in due course. But um, unfortunately, it was family illness, um, that sort of slowed things down and then um, life became a bit complicated for at least for us for a little while. And then and, and then the pandemic. So we're kind of stuck with seven songs. Mm. Um, so we needed 10. That was the idea. The, the idea was that it would be 10 songs on a 10 inch. But that was, you know, that was going to be 10 years. <laughs> 10 years for 10 quid. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't have made any sense in, in any way. Sonic sense. Yeah, <laughs> economically, audibly. So we decided to make it an album of 10 songs. Luckily, you know, there was three songs in the archives that have either never been released or what only came out on Rare. I think Paper Dolls was on a compilation album for a festival that we played years ago in Germany. Um, Reynard was on that CD that came with vinyl of False Memory Lane. So we dug them out and, and remastered them, remixed Paper Dolls. Um, so there's the other three songs. And it actually kept it pure because they are the 10 songs that we've done as a band. I don't think we've done any others. Well, shall we um, We'll go through the album and the reason and behind some of your choices and, and some of your favourites. So uh, let's um, let's kick off with, um, should we start with Glow Girl, which is the bonus track. It's not available on the vinyl album. And uh, would you like to play it's, that one? Yeah, it's, yeah, we're really pleased with that. It's a, it's a song that um, I always sing whenever I'm on a plane, we're coming into land. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely adore it. And, it takes uh, your mind off the fear of landing, does it all? Yeah, apart from the fact it's about... I'm, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not scared about, <laughs> about travelling in planes. So uh, it's just, I don't know, I just always think it when we're coming into land. Um, yeah, I just thought, well, OK, let's do this. Um, I've always wanted to love singing it. And, yeah, so off we went. Yeah, I think by that, at that point, we'd actually worked out a way of recording remotely um, and still making it sound like we're all in the same room. Oh, yeah, because you, you did a, a basic track and I did a guide vocal and then we sent it off to Mull and... He played, uh, yeah, he plays drums along to that. Then it came back and then 
we sent it off to Paul and he did the bass and then it came back. And I said, yeah, so when am I going to do the vocals? And I was going, oh, no, you've done it. And I went, no, I haven't. That was just a guide vocal. He went, no, that'll do. I didn't say that'll do. I said, they're really good. I don't need to. (laughs) Guide vocal or not, it sounds fantastic. So let's hear your version of the Who's Blow Girl. That's a, that's a great track. Is it, is, I know it's a bonus track on the, the Who Sell Out, wasn't it, on the CD version, but it's quite a, a rare track, that one, an unusual choice. It was on Odd and Sods, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But that was a great version, and, and you've also got the fantastic video up, which you've just released, which is <laughs> which is really great. No uh, expense spent. <laughs> no expense spent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have to. That's all we can do in, in these times. It's like you just film whatever you've got around. It's I've just got some cheap software. That's all it is. It's just cheap video editing software with a few slightly crappy effects that I like to use to cover up the the paucity of the raw material <laughs> but um you know I like the way they turn out they look homemade yeah they, they're great you know and that that was a bonus track um the people who bought the vinyl album which I'm, I'm holding in my hand a piece of the vinyl which is fantastic it's not very good. well we won't talk about the scratch copy but um we, we, <laughs> we got that sorted I mean bloody vinyl eh hey I must yeah, prefer it in the they invented something smaller and um, <laughs> that you can't scratch that you can play anywhere uh, that might happen but you know i mean i know this is not going to work on an audio podcast but um obviously you can check this out when you go to the galileo 7 um, website the fantastic cover of um, the, Gal- the galileo 7 decade and it's um it's celebrating 10 years at the top the galileo 7 sing and play their fave top pop hits of the 60s 70s and 80s <laughs> it's a wonderful cover which reminds me of the old sort of ktel top of the pops album combinations used to get in the 70s and it's uh, great artwork like- it's exactly the idea. Yeah, great artwork by Daryl Hartley. Yeah, Daryl, who missed uh, who missed his um, no credit on there, is it from? Mr. Yeah, it's his own fault. Yeah, Even we didn't notice. <laughs> but I think, like he said, a lot of those covers are kind of anonymous anyway, so it kind of adds to the authenticity. They even put sort of filthy marks on the back of the on the back cover as well to make it look dog-eared and. Oh, I thought that just came with my scratch copy. <laughs> no, we've every single one we've we've stamped on, you know, <laughs> yeah. trod on to make it look authentic. Scuffed it around the room. And it's a, it's a limited edition album. Um, is that right? You've you've only done a, a limited run initially. Well, I only did two fifty because a it's quite expensive to do covers album because you've got to pay, you know, uh, artists. You've got to pay the old the artists and royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea was originally that it would be only be available when we played gigs or maybe from the website. And to make it like a little bit of a, an exclusive thing that you had to t- come and see us to buy. And I, I envisaged it lasting for months and months um, in under normal circumstances and not making it a proper release, I suppose. 
as it when we finished it, I thought, well, actually, this is a pretty good album. And under the circumstances, well, we can't sell them. And people from more than just the UK might actually be interested in it. Let's make it like a proper release, but on our label, not damaged goods this time. So we haven't got that sort of, you know, extra promotional push that a label gives you. Mm-hmm. So it's all very low key. And I never expected it to sell so quickly. Um, so we only did t- 250 copies, which means it was quite expensive to make. Yeah. But it's gone really well. You know, we're, we're not, we haven't got that many copies left after three weeks. Yeah, I mean, the reaction's been great. And you've, you've already got some fantastic reviews. So it's certainly go, been going down well, hasn't it? And uh... Yeah, I think it's probably perfect pandemic pop. <laughs> <laughs> It's. I mean, there's nothing new. There's nothing new on it. You know, it's not. I think covers albums. They, a lot of artists do covers albums when they've kind of run out of ideas, but when they want to just enjoy themselves, mm. yeah, uh, and kind of find out again why they make music. I think there's a little bit of element of that. But you know, I've got. We haven't run out of ideas. I just thought it'd be a good thing to do. I've written half the next album already. Mm. Yeah, but I think it works as an album. You know, I mean, I just think. Um, especially for music fans, because you haven't gone for the ov- obvious songs and it's not too dissimilar from a Galileo 7 album, you know, I mean, it's, um, but I think you've chosen some some really good choices, you know, and I think, I mean, we can go through a couple and obviously you're kicking off the album with, uh, again, quite a surprising choice in a way because you've gone for X-Ray Specs's Day the World Turn Day Glow, which I've seen you play live and we've obviously taken the lead vocals and this is a great one, isn't it? Because you've done a real sort of punky sort of version of a great punk classic, really. I, I had no idea that was going to kick the album off, actually. It was uh, the other stuff. Yeah, let's go for that, mate. Right? you sure? I don't know why we thought about doing it, wasn't it? Because we, we we went to some. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went to. Uh, it was it was Polystyrene's daughter. Who's got a book out of her mum's poetry and art and stuff like that. And we went to. She she gave a talk in a uh, Brixton library that's right. last year, sometime maybe the year before. But it was free, and it's one of those things that's really interesting. Just sitting somewhere listening to someone talk, not only about her mum, but about herself and her upbringing. And we just thought, I've always liked X Respect. Wouldn't it be great to do one of their songs? And I like Daglo. And well, luckily, I really like Daglo. Yeah. <laughs> well, Daglo was always my favourite. Yeah. So uh... it's a good pop song as well. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of those early punk songs were great pop songs, weren't they? That, that was the beauty of them, you know, the great 45. So, shall we hear it? Why not? Yeah, and then you go into another interesting choice, um, Paul Revere and the Raiders and Him or Me, What's It Gonna Be? Why pick Paul Revere and the Raiders? I think they're great. Really good pop band, classy, sort of a bit a bit like the Monkees, I suppose, except I think they were more of a real band than the Monkees, obviously. Um, it's that sort of polished pop, but with a bit of an edge to it. And they did loads and loads of good stuff. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the problem is, yeah, visually, if you go back and look at them, you, you see these... <laughs> Twats in um, 
stupid costume, their outfits, kind of date it terribly. Well, they used to dress up in this sort of, uh, I don't know if it was like some American Civil War outfit or some sort of... Something like that. Really unbecoming. When I came to learn the tune and I sort of went onto YouTube to try and find it, I was like, hey, what are they wearing? (laughs) I don't think I've heard the record before. And slightly naff. Pretty in the dreamer style leg yeah. kicking and stuff like that. Bizarre. Yeah. Apparently yeah. they were they were really good live. It was a real kind of show busy entertainment thing, and they never stopped running around and all that sort of stuff. But it's more about the good quality songs. So I don't know why I picked that one individually. It's just when I first bought a Paul Revere album, like back in the eighties or whatever, that just leapt out on me at the time. Because I don't think any of them were actually hits in the UK, were they? So. Although someone did a, a version in the late seventies, I think it was the band, um, punk band, did a version it's like a slightly not that great version. So maybe I was remembering that. Let's hear him or me. What's it gonna be? <laughs> was a great track and, and talking about covers you know they, they actually did the original of stepping stone which the monkeys would take and become and, and take their version that would probably be better known and obviously the pistols did the classic version of stepping stone as well and they also recorded louis louis at the same time as the kingsman in the same studio but again the kingsman um took louis louis as their own classic so they they seem to miss the boat a little bit sometimes you know with their choice of <laughs> Songs. And I think sticking with the costumes probably was a, <laughs> you know, although I've, I've seen footage of them in like 1968 and they ditched the costumes by then, but possibly too late. But, you know, they did some really, really good psychedelic pop albums. Well, it's a great, it's a, a great track, you know, and um, again, you change tack a little bit next with um, talking as we're really on the subject of covers um, and doing other people's songs. This was another band that got overshadowed by one of their own songs. Um, this is The Nerves. Probably better known for Hanging on the Telephone, which, which of course, Blondie made their own. And um, they released a fantastic EP, uh, which you've um, picked a really good song called Paper Dolls from. How did you find this one? That was Mole. Mole loves the nerves, uh, particularly that EP. And I think, I can't remember why we started doing it. I just said, would you I like think, to do a cover? I think we're just trying to, because Mole, obviously Mole's a great singer. He's, he sings with the Embrooks. And he was, he was the bass player in the band at the time. Um, and it just thought, well, it's, do you want to do a song? Well, do you want to sing a song and like... To give you a rest. To give me a, yeah, to give me a rest. <laughs> and he, he, he picked Paper Dolls. Mm. And it was quite, it's, it's quite 
simple. So he kind of worked it out in about 10 minutes. Um, and then that's when we recorded that version when Mole was still the bass player. Yeah, and that's it. And that was recorded pretty much straight away um, when Russ was still on the drums. So that's that's where it came from. It's, uh, it's a great track. And then we go on to your one of your favourites, The Who again, um, and this is uh, River Singing, and this is Tattoo from The Who Sell Out. And again, it's, a, it's, an, it's not the obvious choice to do as a, as a cover. Was it a difficult song to sing and play? It, it just seemed to be an unusual choice. It was something we'd always end up doing in rehearsals because... I like playing the guitar. Yeah. I, I, I spent ages working out how to play it on the guitar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of get-together rehearsals, start playing it, and then... Obviously, Mum knows it. He was playing drums by that time, and Paul would join in, and suddenly we'd be halfway through it. There's no keyboards on it, so obviously I leapt in on the vocal, and uh, yeah. So, yeah. Again, been, another song I've always adored singing. So, yeah. We did play it a couple, I think we played it at the Half Moon a couple of times on one of your nights. Um, it was a bit of an odd one to do. I don't think it was like a, a showstopper or anything, but we, we did play it, and it was obvious to have a, you know, bring it back and record it properly. And it's quite, you know, it's good, I think, um, Viv singing it makes it a bit different. Singing about getting her arms tattooed. <laughs> I mean, was the, was the Who sell out quite a big influence on you? Because I, whenever I, it's that period of The Who that I, I t- tend to think of Galileo 7, you know, I mean. They're, they're, I love that album. Yeah, I love that album. Yeah. 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 Well, I like all of them up to Who's Next, but that, I think that's wow. my favourite one, you know. It's, that, just, it's just got everything in it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's one of those great 1967 albums. Mm. Um, I used to listen to all the time along with um, Piper at the Gates at Dawn on headphones yeah lying on the floor or with, between the speakers speaker yeah. on either side of the pillow you know that sort of thing <laughs>
And then you go on to another one of my favourites, um, our shared favourite is Julian Cope. Uh, yes. This was a track that you, as you mentioned earlier, you recorded and released as a part of a bonus disc with um, False Memory Lane. And this is a cover of Reynard the Fox, which is taken from his uh, classic second album, Fried. Uh, this is a great track, you know, and it's, um, again, probably unusual one to do a cover of because it, the original one goes on a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> you know. Well, uh, so it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the longest one on there, isn't it? When we first got together, when it became more than just me recording demos and we thought, well, well there's a band coming up. So me and Viv went to a rehearsal room a couple of times, just the two of us, guitar and uh, keyboards, and just started playing things a bit louder to see what it would be like. And we tried Sunspots. We actually did uh, try to have a go at that as well. It's um, a great track. Yeah. It is a brilliant track. And I was I had my reservations about that because it's just so good. Well, it's, it's got like a tube or something on it, hasn't it? It's, a must, it's quite a difficult song to cover, I can imagine. Exactly, well, exactly, yeah. Whereas Reynard is just... Where it expects rocks. itself to yeah, be it covered. <laughs> and um, when Paul, uh, when we became the four of us together, Paul knew it somehow and he just said I'll sing it he just offered to sing it and it was a mainstay of our set for quite a long time uh, all the way through Paul's first period with us he sang it I love the fact that he'd always make up something different in in the middle bit yeah just some improvised nonsense and then when Mel came in on the bass we carried on doing it we just changed the arrangement slightly for the middle bit and I took over the lead vocal and that's the lineup that recorded it as much as I love Julian Cope, I mean, I'm I'm going to say that I like your version better, and I'm. Ooh, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I and I, I think. Well, not the really, first person to say that. Great actually, that's, um, it's a great song, and I, I think you've done it justice. And um, I think we're going to hear your version of it. Sorry, Julian. <laughs>
That was a great version of Reynard the Fox. Um, the main theme of this is it sort of covers and cover versions. And, and again, that riff has been completely ripped off of <laughs> I Can Only Give You Everything by them, which yeah. again was covered by the Dam's um, fantastic secret cover band, Naz Nomad and the Nightmare. So it, it's, uh, it, that riff is, uh, is, has, been, has gone around a little bit. But, uh, and um, Beck. And Beck, of course. Yeah, great, great riff. So we come to the end of side one. So let's go back to side two of the new album, Decayed. And you start off with a with a classic um, Pink Floyd Sid Barrett era track. Again, is is quite a challenging choice to play, isn't it? As a, as a cover, it's Astronomy Domini from their debut album. This has become a sort of live staple with with you now, hasn't it? As well. Well, again, it was one of those things in rehearsal. Every time we played Orange Relaying, it would segue into Astronomy Domini. Like it would just Mole and Alan would just go off on one, and it would just you know, and then we'll. Me and Paul joined in. It's because I worked at, you know, there's, you know, the, the cold at the start is that funny, strange, kind of flattened, diminished cold that, um, and I worked out, oh, that's, I've heard that before. I worked it out and then think, right, okay, I could, now I can play the intro. And then once you do that in rehearsal, Mole just joins in. He's, a, he's you know, as Pete Townsend said about Keith Moon, he's a great joiner in <laughs> So we'd end up going halfway through the song mucking about um so well, after doing that for a few months we just let's, let's just let's just bloody do it yeah. <laughs> and every time we played it it's gone down really well and it is a great track Good. and i've heard nick mason's source of full of secrets doing it and i great it's great that he's doing that stuff but i think we do it better than them <laughs> <laughs> So Bob Harris was right then. The old Orange Lane did sound like Pink Floyd. Well, yeah, it was supposed to. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's the fact that we started segueing into it, you know, jamming at the end. Because uh, that's kind of what, when Mole became the drummer and, and we decided to stick with that lineup, 
um, that was one of the things that made it Cause that's, work. Yeah, because that sort of thing would happen a lot. Yeah, because he, you know, we could go off slightly on one, and he would always stick with it. Yeah, he's a he's a music, he's a bass player, and a guitarist, and a singer as well as a drummer. So he knows how songs work, and he knows how to carry things going and enjoy the moment. So, but back to the new album, and uh, this is a interesting track, um, uh, Tinker Taylor by Terry Reid with Mole on vocals, and uh, it almost sounds like an Embrook song, this one. It's, uh, I, I'm not very much up on Terry Reid. Tell me about this choice. It's another song that was on our list uh, very, early. very early, when before the band was even got together. I just really liked the, the guitar riff, um, but it's a bit out of my range, singing-wise, because Terry Reid very nearly became the, sing, uh, the singer of Led Zeppelin before they, um, they got Robert Plant. Plant. And he does sound a bit like a cross between Steve Marriott and Robert Plant. He's, that is the sort of area he was in, solely bluesy screamer. He was also a good guitar player as well. Well, me and you'd already learned it. Yeah, we, so. we learned how to play it. But who could sing it? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, Marvin, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> Oh, could you do this? Yep, and they did a great job. Yeah, so we, you know, we just sort of tied it up a bit. We had we have played it a, a few times live, but um, it takes it out of the poor old geezer you know, <laughs> playing drums and singing at that sort of range. So he's not done it that many times, but you know, perfect for recording. <laughs> Then you go into a classic again, which you've played live um, with Viv on lead vocals. Uh, Shocking Blues, send me a postcard, um, which you've done a pretty faithful version of this one. Uh, the Dutch band, most famous for Venus. Again, another talking about all these cover versions covered by Banana Armor, of course. Um, but this is this is a great track, send me a postcard, isn't it? Um, you no, know. It really is. It's one of those that that everybody knows. Always loved it, and I was thinking, why, why, why don't people do uh, a cover version of this? It's so good. And then, well, why don't we? And I, I don't know that any of us in the band thought that I could get anywhere near it, including myself. Let's give it a go. And when we did it in rehearsals, and it was like, well, she did it. <laughs> yeah, I just love it to bits, and um, privileged to be able to sing it live. Just, you know, it's just great because. 
inevitably people get out dancing because it is a dancey song. Yeah, well, it's a great, it's a great version, you know. And then the next one is a good choice as well. This is, um, again, you haven't gone for the obvious, you got, but you've gone for the monkeys, um, but you haven't gone for the classic obvious monkey single. This is um, Circle Sky, uh, which is from the movie Head and, and the movie soundtrack. And a great Mike Nismith song, you know, and people who said the monkeys couldn't write their own material, but um, ah. they could. So you've gone, for, you've gone for this obscure track here, Circle Sky. Which... Well, that was, um, that was Paul's choice. Um, when we, we did our one and only proper tour, like a long tour in France in 2016. We'd had 10 gigs on 10, 10 evenings consecutively. What a, and it was a really good, it was great, but it's one of those things, things you look back on and think, God. So glad we did that. Sorry, Dave, we did that before such, we left London, the EU and everything turned a bit shit. But, you know, anyway. But yeah. we sort of thought, we got to add a few more songs to the set, like a couple of covers, just because you tend to get longer to play when you go and play abroad they the gigs think they can be a bit longer and paul said oh you know what about circle sky and he would sing it and he did and we did it quite a few times so it was an obvious one to do when we decided that the lineup of for the album but for some reason he dipped out and doing the, the lead vocal you'd have to ask him why he, he decided not to sing it um, i don't really know because he sang it really well obviously we've got the person in the band who says i'll do it so Mole stepped forward and did a great job himself sounding quite quite nice mismithy yeah we just kind of just I suppose rocked it a bit more a bit more oomph in it maybe more like the the, the monkeys playing it that fake live footage in head a bit more like that
And we end the album um, with another one of our joint favourites, uh, Robin Hitchcock, and this is a soft boys track, Kingdom of Love. Um, I know you're both big fans of Robin and the soft boys. And this is a great choice. You know, it's, um, I was really pleased that you did a Robin Hitchcock song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were doing this really early as well, from right from the early days of the band. I just like the guitar riff. The dual guitars, I haven't got dual guitars, but it's just, it was fun. And it's the one that was... Improvised a bit on the keyboards, I'm not sure if it exactly works, but I just wanted to do it. Uh, It's fun to sing. And it was recorded. Raphael's favourite. So every time we go to France and he comes, we have to do it. But yeah, that was, we recorded it at the same time as Paper Dolls and Reynard, but it never had a chance to put it out. So it was recorded for posterity, really. That's good. I mean, I, I haven't seen you play that live. I, I, I'd like you to, I'd like you to well, play Well, we haven't it. played it for a long time. That is the thing. I mean, when, if and when we, we play again, you know, I, I, I suppose we're going to have to stick a few of these in the set. Uh, yeah. <laughs> expense of all the original stuff that I've slaved over. But, you know, we'll, well see. You've got to shift the product, haven't you? Well, it's nearly gone, Steve. <laughs> well, good. I mean, great. I'm, it's, yeah, I mean, I, it has been getting good good responses, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been ticking over really well. We, 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 we are... I was expecting, like I said earlier, I was expecting the last months, but I, I, you know, I think it might well be gone in two or three weeks. That's why I put it on Bandcamp this afternoon. Oh yeah, I saw that. Well, that's fantastic. You know, that's that's a great run through of um, of, the, of the new album. And I'm, I'm, you said you've nearly sold out, but um, of the vinyl, but it, you've now put it up on Bandcamp uh, so people can download it as MP3s, um, which is good news. So uh, and other file formats, higher quality file formats. A good thing with Bandcamp, you get the choice. I want to do it on CD, but we need to have the, the demand in order to do it, really. So I don't know if that's out there, but yeah. We would do it on CD, but the last uh, few albums, are, you know, the CDs don't really... In this little world that we operate, of people who like kind of a certain type of music, most people want it on vinyl. It'd be great to do both, but it does kind of 
mean that there's going to be more than likely boxes of unsold CDs, which is not what we want. Because I'm, I'm getting it in the neck about releasing the CD, so on a daily basis. Well, it's like you said, you know, you can, you've got the MP3s or WAV files now on Bandcamp, so people can make their own CDs, can't they? So uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I just yeah. It's not quite the same as having a you know a proper CD with a proper yeah. um, cover, you know, rather than something you've written on the title and felt it, you know. But um, we'll we'll see if everyone's very good. <laughs> <laughs> And let's go back to the topic of cover versions again, because um, you're doing these um, covers for Kevin Younger's um, Mr. Unswitchable channel and the open mic nights. And uh, these are great. You've done some, some great versions here. The two, just the two of you, you know, uh, under various names. And, and yourself, Alan, you've done uh, the Buzz Crocs. What, what do I get? You know, <laughs> which, which is good. You've done Ava, you know, Alan Viv, Viv Allen. And, um, and you've done Hair Croc 100 and, uh, and a great version of Haircut 100's favourite shirts. Uh, You've had a lot of fun doing these, haven't you, these, these cover versions? Yeah, it's been a, in this time we're living through, it's doing things like that has definitely kept us going. Mm, um, yeah. And almost to the extent of being slightly obsessional. As they've gone on, they've got more, they've got more elaborate. To the, I, think the, I think the peak of that was trying to get um, windy and um, the lightning tree um, as good as... Yeah. <laughs> I'd never thought I would spend bloody hours and hours trying to get a settler's trying to do a settler's cover as, <laughs> as close to the original as possible. Um, but I did. And The Association, which is a fantastic song anyway. But all of them have been really good fun to do. But the Hair Croc 100 one was the one for me that really got it going because I just it's just a song I would never have picked. People kept saying, oh, you should put this out on a single. I thought, you know, half joking, but I thought, hang on, I know someone who's got a record lathe, Russ Wilkins, and he offered to do it. So in the end, I thought, well, okay, just through Facebook, do you really want me to do this? It'll be it'll be a tenner per copy. They're not cheap to make. Um, and enough people said yes to say, I'll sod it, um, just do it. Sold them all out, and I just gave the profits to a uh, memorial fund for me, for me dad, who just passed away just uh, you know, a month or so before this all happened. So it kind of fitted in. He'd, he'd always taken a real keen interest in my music yeah. career over the years. Uh, so that, you know, it, it kind, of, kind of fitted in just to hand out, just, just do something off the cuff and then just put all the money back into the Stroke Foundation. Well, too. Let's play um, Hair Croc 100 and favourite shirts, Boy Meets Girl. <laughs> and then let's hear your version of the association's Windy, which was um, Thames TV Today theme tune, which most people might, might remember it from. So uh, let's have a little medley of these two.
I love your video that, that I saw you do for the Stranglers Nice in Nice, which, um, you know, we, we're great Stranglers fans. And um, I like Thank Vivi you. sort of um, doing a little JJ Bunnell <laughs> in the back garden. <laughs> Vivian Black. And then you, this is the one, this is the version that you did on location, but I know it's not Nice, but it looks like a nice sunny beach somewhere. Where were you when you recorded the video? <laughs> that was the one where we were like just driving back to the airport in Corfu, um, literally had five minutes and um, quick, you know, let's, have we got time to do this? Find a beach. Oh, look, there's a beach. That'll do. It's not much of a beach, but it'll do. Um, just uh, leapt out, did it, complete with them. Um, strange woman in the background <laughs> so yeah and then it was great synchronicity wasn't it yeah yeah it was just one of those things that just you know when things just happen they just work and when you've got no, you know time to think about it you just do it and then or even in the garden it was like oh no i just grab my face and we'll just do that you know because he was dressed in black in video etc etc obviously this base is black yeah you know it's the first time that base has been used in anger for decades I would think well if I do do anything on the bass like with the gallows I always use uh, Paul's basses because they're much better than mine well I like this version I mean I love Stranglers you know but I'm it was from a period when they were it was in the 80s when they were using sort of syndromes and they weren't at their best the Stranglers at that period and I think your version tops the Stranglers if, if I'm honest and um, wow. I've always loved the song and this, this is a great version so I, if, if we can let's play your version of the Stranglers Nice in Nice So nice and 
And you've also done versions, um, well, you've done two songs by the Dukes of Stratosphere, XTC sort of yeah. uh, sort of secret psych project. And you've done, let's say, the Association, you've done the Bangles, which is a great version, going down to Liverpool. That was, that's the kind of mashup between the Bangles and Katrina and the Waves version. It's yeah. just taking all the... Because I love both versions. Um, and, of course, Kimberly rewrote it, so uh, yeah, just took the, the best bits of both those and yeah. put them together. Well, I mean, I love that one. And then you've done, uh, and again, Robin Hitchcock, you've done Winchester with a slightly psychedelic yeah. video. Oh, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the original of that video scared me. Yeah, I, did, I, went, I went a bit overboard on the original version of it. Oh, yeah. I said, you can't do that. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> it was really scary. Yeah. But that, yeah, that, but most of these songs that we've done have been Viv's idea. It has to be said, apart from Boy Meets Girl and the Buzzcocks one, I think most, I think pretty much all of them are the ones that Viv has picked, which is good being told you've got to work out how to play this song and provide a backing track. It's quite a challenge, and I think I've learned quite a lot. Yeah, your Dave Greenfield was probably. My, yeah, my Dave Greenfield impression. Because that's not me on the keyboards, that's him. That's just, you know, yeah, that was quite much better organ player I have. <laughs> you can do a lot when you computer software to make yourself sound better than you are, but. Um, yeah, it still works in the end. Well, I mean, have you, are you considering um, releasing these as a, another kind of like a decade two type album under under the Alan and Viv moniker? Have you? Have, I mean, because they've certainly thought about it, and we probably will. We just got to work out a name for the project, I suppose, and how to do it. But yeah, I don't it's, see why it's, not. It's a, poss- it's a definite possibility. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking about doing a Viv solo album kind of half joking for quite a long time because I, I think well maybe I'll just write a load of songs especially for Viv but that would be quite it'd be quite an undertaking to do that and carry on writing songs for the Galileo 7 where Viv sings some of them anyway um, so this might be kind of halfway point where yeah. Viv gets to be the lead singer and I get to be a multi-instrumental producer guru sort of oh. thing well thank you so much um, for your time Viv and Alan and uh, it's been great going through to celebrate your 10th anniversary and your new album Decade which is out now here it is lovely lovely vinyl on Fool's Paradise Records your own label don't forget to um, check out retromanblog.com where I'll put a feature with all the links to Galileo 7 and uh, uh, maybe I'll throw in a couple of their videos as well on there for, um, uh, for your entertainment um, so I'd just like to say thank you very much Alan and thank you Viv for your time it's been great fun thank and you thanks for cheers all the best cheers. yeah thank you thank you